Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole, so very honored to be with you today. I hope you've had a great week, and however long the period has been since you have checked in in this way with me and everyone who joins uh, every Monday to take a bath in inspiration. That's what I think of it as. And I know so much has been going on in our lives. This is a busy season and it's often pretty busy as it relates to emotions. Just there's a lot, lot, lot going on. I was at a family gathering with someone else's family, a friend of mine, a couple of days ago. And one of the young adults who's, who was part of the family said, I feel like I'm 12 again because he was around his aunts and uncles and parents and siblings. And suddenly he's about 25 years old and he slipped into that other self, the defensive kid. Has that ever happened to you? Has it happened to you during the holiday season? For anyone who is watching live or in the days leading up to the holidays and the new year, I want to ask you this question very pointedly. Are you one of the people who at least on occasion falls into that space of stuckness that actually takes you back, takes you back into a place in your life that may have been a little uncomfortable? Could be birth order stuff, could be unresolved issues with your family. All kinds of things happen for people during this time of year. And in part, I think these things happen because we just allow our emotions to well up. And normally, it's the swirl of negative emotions. So I wonder if that happens to you. It certainly has happened to me on many occasions. And only in recent years have I been able to say, mm, I don't have to fall into that trap, a trap of my own making, by the way, maybe sometimes along with the family's making, but I'm going to put it more on me. I'm the one who's in control of myself. And so I'm the one who's able to say, I'm going to stand in the fullness of me and be clear and strong and capable, or I'm going to devolve into some childhood version of me who felt defensive. And it's my choice. Same for you, it's your choice. I've been thinking a lot about choice recently and about pain. Because a lot of times when people are in pain, they don't realize that they have a choice. And they often do not believe that they can make the choice to step out of whatever the pain may be. And this time right now, there's been so much loss. Many, many people very close to me have lost parents, loved ones, children, people who we would believe were much too young to pass, and just people we love. And when there's a lot of loss for lots of reasons, it causes you to step back and think, how are you living? What choices are you making today that are going to affect you in the future? Are those smart choices 
Should you be making some different choices? I see Melody says she lost her son at Thanksgiving. Blessings to you, Melody. Tough. And when, when a loss is fresh, it can feel unbearable, right? When to lose a child, I think is probably one of the most difficult storms to move through because you just can't imagine how did it happen? How, why am I here? And yet you are here. We are here. We are here and we have the choice to step into our greatest selves, to be strong and clear and to find a way forward. For those of us suffering loss, it can be so incredibly difficult. For those of us just in the swirl of life, it can be so incredibly difficult. Because, and I learned this from a friend of mine, she's talked to us here on Dream Leapers Inspiration before, Dr. Janet Taylor. She says that neurologically, the brain makes more negative thoughts by thousands every minute. That there's more negative energy swelling inside of our beings than positive. And, you know, when she first told me that, I know she's smart. I know she's a psychiatrist. She had the number. I don't remember what the number is, but it's a huge number of negative impressions that swirl around inside of us minute by minute. And I questioned her. I pushed back and she said, well, if you think about it, you could understand why. The body, the, this physical body that we inhabit that is such an incredible gift is built to survive. And that means when you're crossing the street, it's going to tell you, watch out, there's a car coming. It's going to tell you when, when somebody knocks on the door, be careful, you don't know who it is. I mean, all those little things that are part of daily experience, um, the thoughts that come into our head, the ways in which our body reacts are often defensive. Watch out, be careful, um, so that we can survive. And so she says that in order for us to have positive thoughts, we have to consciously invite them into our being. They don't just hang out there, which is amazing to think about. It, it actually makes me have more compassion for people who are really negative because maybe they're just being normal. I don't know. I'm, I'm not innately negative. I work really hard at being positive. And, you know, I got that from my mother and my grandmother. But I do have those other thoughts. And I'm sure you do too. The, the protection, the self-protection says, wait a minute, hold up. And for those of us who are parents, we teach that to our children too. We teach them, look, stop looking, listen before you cross the street. Don't just open your door for anybody. Don't take this from a person you don't know. All these things that we teach our children and we remind ourselves are precautionary. That's part of what would be called a negative thought. So what are the positive thoughts? We know the negative ones are going to be there. Some of them are good for us. They protect us. And some of them 
consume us. And today I wanted to talk about how we can not be consumed by negativity, how we can walk toward the light and allow that to guide our steps, guide our vision, and help us to be uplifted. And when I think about things like that, I think about my mother, Dar's Cole. She's 93 years young. That's how she's always described herself at whatever age. And I've talked about her a lot because she's such an inspiration to me. She told me when I was a little girl, I don't remember when, but I've always remembered it. Notice the bright lights in the room. Notice the bright lights in the room. And it's like, what does that mean? What does that mean, mama? Notice the bright lights in the room. And many of you probably know that I teach public speaking and presentation. And over the years, I came to really understand and appreciate this idea of noticing the bright lights in the room. So let me give you an example that I often use in my public speaking classes. If you have the occasion to speak to a group in public, which used to happen all the time, and now that we are inching our ways back out into open spaces with folks, this could easily be true for you. Whether it is in church and you're standing uh, before the congregation, whether it is at your job and you're standing um, in a conference room, whether you are giving a talk before a group of people in a dining hall or in an auditorium, wherever it might be. Think about what you do when you walk into that space. How do you, how do you feel before you even walk into the space? Think about it. When you have to make a presentation of any kind to others, including family, but it could also be for work or some other environment, some other gathering, how do you feel? How do you feel right before you make your entrance into the space? Often, and I've worked with thousands of people on this topic, often people feel contracted, they feel afraid, they feel, um, they start doubting their ability to deliver whatever the message is that they are there to deliver even when they are prepared. Often people shrink and you'll notice that their shoulders are crunched. They literally will look down and not make eye contact. They often won't breathe very much because one of the signs of fe feeling nervous is holding your breath. Um, it happens to the best of us. It's, uh, I think, a kind of fear of fear of not being capable of doing whatever it is you're charged with doing. You know, sometimes now this, this is one of the things that they could call imposter syndrome. I can't do that. Why am I here? Why was I asked to do this? Why did I volunteer? I'm not good enough to do this. That, that you know, like the angel and the, and the devil on your shoulder, but that's the devil saying, you can't do this. And how do you, if you have those feelings, what do you do with them? If you allow yourself to 
succumb to those feelings. By the time you walk out onto whatever the stage is, whether it's your family living room, your place of worship, your conference room at work, or even on a broadcast like this one, if you don't check that, you are probably going to divert your eyes so you'll be looking down like I'm, you know, looking down. You'll be not breathing. You'll be shrinking. You won't be able to project your voice because you won't believe that you deserve to project your voice. All these kinds of things happen. Okay, how do you combat that? Number one, you should be prepared before you ever get to that moment. Make sure that you have done your homework, that if you're going to make a, any kind of a formal presentation, you've done the work. So it's not off the cuff. It doesn't have to be a written speech, but you know what you're going to talk about and you've practiced a little bit. You're ready. That's number one. Number two, hopefully you did that before you got to that moment. Number two, you're going to take a breath. You're going to breathe and remind yourself, I'm ready. I have the information. I know what I'm here to talk about. I can do this. You remind yourself, I'm ready. And then, as you walk into the space, whatever it might be, you don't look up, around, down, disconnected from the people. You look out at the people. And you smile at the people. And you look at them. You peruse the room, and then you notice what my mother calls the bright lights in the room. And what does that mean? I'll lay it out for you. As you are looking out at the people, who is smiling at you? Who is paying attention? Who is, is, is looking at you in, in a way that is saying, you got this. I'm excited to hear from you. Who is doing that? I promise you, there's always somebody who's doing it. There's usually more than one person. And when you see that, you smile back at them. You add a little twinkle in your eye just as they are adding it for you. And then you move on person to person. This is quick. This is happening quickly as you walk into the space. Look out at the people. Notice them and notice the bright lights. The bright lights are the ones sparkling as they look at you. I promise you they are there. When you notice them, what happens in your being is it makes you feel like you're not alone. Somebody's got me. Somebody's here because they want to see me. Somebody loves me. Somebody's cheering me on. Now, there could be some of you say, oh, you know, I don't want people I know to be in the room. And when, if you have a performance, no, mom, don't come. No, friends, don't come because you'll make me nervous. That is the wrong attitude. Those people who want to come are the bright lights for you. So notice them. Notice them and remember them. So part of what I learned in this regard from my mother, I remember in college, when I was heading off to college, she reminded me to notice the bright lights, to notice, pay attention, and notice the people who somehow you connect to. And those are the ones that you should build relationships with and remember. And she explained, you can't remember everybody. 
It's just not humanly possible to remember everyone. So who do you want to choose to remember? It's easy, once again, to remember the people who are, who are negative, to remember the people that made you mad, who hurt your feelings, who stepped on your toes, who did you wrong. I mean, there's a list. And I have a list of, of people who I actually do remember for the wrong reasons. But thank goodness I have this other list that my mother told me about. The list of people who are valuable to me, who were kind to me, who looked out for me, who just wanted to connect with me as I wanted to connect with them. And so we think of this in terms of networking. You know, who are the people that you might appreciate from some other time in your life that you decided you were going to stay in touch with? Maybe not all the time, but you have you hold very good thoughts about them and you stay in touch with them. And when the moment is right or necessary, you know that you can reach out to those people because you've kept this uplifted relationship with them and there's goodwill. So last night, I don't know how this came in my mind, but you know, these thoughts bubble up. I was thinking about how I got to New York, where I have lived for more than 30 years. And I remembered this notion of noticing the bright lights. And my back to my mother who told me, the people who are important to you, who you feel are valuable, just stay in touch with them. So I was living in Washington, D.C. after I graduated from college, working for a member of Congress. And this was not the job that I wanted to have. I wanted to move to New York and work in publishing, in publishing and fashion. And so I gave myself a deadline. This is a good story for a lot of reasons, but one of them is about making a plan and then executing the plan. I gave myself a deadline of one year. I needed to have um, clips of work that I'd done so I could prove that what I wanted to do in New York, I could. And even though I'd been an excellent student at Howard University, I had only written for the school newspaper and that was not enough um, uh, clips, meaning things that I had published to I didn't think that was enough for me to get a job in New York City. So I created two internships for myself, convincing two small newspapers in Washington, D.C. to let me write fashion columns for them for free. This is way before facts, way before the internet. I'm dating myself, but honestly, all of you who have been on this planet for a minute know that technology has sped up so fast in the past 30 years. A lot of things weren't here. So I had to take the columns that I had written and typed on a typewriter to the publishers so that they could be published. Anyhow, I spent a year preparing myself. And then when I felt I was ready, I, the bright lights, I contacted everyone I knew who worked for a magazine in New York City who I had a good relationship with and to see if there were any openings where they worked. Nobody can give you a job, but they can give you an opportunity 
if they know of one. But, you know, knowing people is half the battle. So there were two people that I contacted. A woman named Monique Greenwood, who had gone to college with me, and a woman named Kritia James, who was my, is my soror in Delta Sigma Theta. And both of them knew about job openings. Both of them introduced me to their companies, and I was offered a job from both companies because of these two bright lights who cared about me and gave me an opportunity that they were aware of to interview for a job. <clears throat> Pardon me. I ended up taking the job at Essence, which is where Kritia James worked, and I ended up working with her for a while. And she taught me what she knew. She taught me how to work at a magazine. She was not my boss, but she was she was a mentor. And someone asked me recently about who were mentors in my life. And I realized she was probably my earliest mentor in a working environment because she taught me what she knew. She taught me how to keep track of information, how to process information so that I could become an editor. And I haven't thought about her in a long time, have not been in touch in a long time. And I intend to find her and be in touch because she was so important to the beginning of my career. She was a bright light. Monique also. And over the years, we've stayed in touch. I tell these stories to you so that you think about your life, your world. Who are the bright lights in your world? Who are they? You can go back to childhood, family, neighborhood, school, first job, current job, civic organization. Who are the bright lights in your world? And are you in touch with them? Are you cultivating those relationships? Are there some like Katia who I haven't talked to her in years? I'm going to find her and reach out to her and thank her again. Who are the people in your life who have shed light on opportunities, possibilities, and simply on joy when you needed it? Who have you been a bright light to? Who have you inspired? Who have you championed at a time when they needed it? You know, I got a text last week, and many of you um, were in the swirl of this piece of knowledge. I, I'll, I'll set it up for you. I was interviewing someone, literally, and my watch, I have one of those smart watches where the texts come on my watch, and I saw a long note from a dear friend, Patty Favreau. And I could only glance it because literally I was interviewing somebody on camera. Well, I was off camera, but I was interviewing someone. And Patty was reaching out and saying, I'm, I'm sending this note to everybody I love to let you know, I love you, I care about you. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. Even if you don't need anything, reach out, let's stay in touch. And it was so intense. When I had a moment, I wrote to her and I said, what happened? Why did you send that note? Because I could tell that it was in reaction to something. And she sent the note because of Ellen DeGeneres' DJ producer who had committed suicide. 
Twitch. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. He was 40 years old, married with three beautiful children. We don't know, we may never know. It's none of our business, honestly, why this happened. But what she did and what so many other people did right after learning this was to reach out to loved ones to check in. Then I saw another uh, montage on social media showing, um, what is his name? Gary Bourdain, is that his name? Robin Williams, the young black woman who was Miss America. I think she was Miss America or Miss USA and another person. Big smiles and said, this is the face of depression. Those images defy whatever you think depression looks like. And I'm bringing it up to us now because it is so important for us to support each other. It's important for us to support each other through whatever is happening. And, and just like my friend Patty, when she wrote that note, it was insistent, like ladies, because she wrote it to her female friends, this one anyhow. I love you and I'm here for you. And do not hesitate to just reach out for any reason. That's powerful. And sometimes we need to do that to pierce through whatever the armor is, whatever the mask is that we wear that says we're okay if we're not. You know, if, if we are hurting, we need to reach out. But often when you're really hurting, you retreat. And it can feel very difficult to step out of the darkness that you're in. And I think this happens to many, many people, maybe not uh, clinical depression, but moments of intense sadness or negativity or doubt. And what do you do in those times? And I'm gonna mention some other things that occur right that are occurring right now. I know many people who have lost their jobs, many people who's, who have jobs, but salaries are diminished. Many people who worry that they may not be able to keep their homes. Many people who are suffering because of a major health concern. There's a lot of suffering and no one is immune to suffering. If you tell the truth, suffering occurs on some level all the time. From the simple suffering of stubbing your toe or getting a splinter to something far more intense. But suffering is real and it happens to all of us. What do we do about it? How do we climb out of the space of suffering into the space of potential? I believe, and I was taught by my mother, you notice the bright lights in the room. You choose to notice them. Now, you, when, if you go back to that room, if you're walking onto a stage and there's a room of people around you, um, watching you, looking at you, waiting for you to say something, and instead of noticing the smile, you notice the person who's sleeping, or these days, using their smartphone and continuing to use the smartphone the whole time that you're talking. 
You notice the person who's just looking grumpy or agitated. Those people will be there too. You have a choice. Who are you going to focus on? The bright lights or the negative ones? The Debbie Downers or the joyful ones? It is your choice. We talk about choice all the time on Dream Leapers Inspiration because it is our choice how we live our lives, period. No matter what anybody tells you, it is your choice how you live your life every day. What you do is your choice. What you think, what you say, and what you do, it's on you. And so I am pleading with you, make the choice to notice the bright lights in the room. Make the choice that brings a smile to your face, no matter what the circumstances. I'm going to give you one more example because this is a really good one. And why I'm giving examples of negativity to positivity is that's what this is about. If you're in a great mood, you may not even feel like you need this moment, this communion that we have together. I hope you do. I hope you want it. But when you're in a great space, you don't necessarily feel like you need it. It's in those tender moments that I think we appreciate the inspiration of upliftment. That's why I do this with you. So just two days ago, I contacted one of my line sisters, Marcita, who I think of as the glue for my line. And this is my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta. And I have reconnected with my sorors in a way that I hadn't for many years. So I was contacting her about one of our sorors who's been very ill. And I was just checking to see how is she doing because I know Marcita stays in touch with everyone. And we talked for a while and we had a wonderful conversation that was uplifting, even though we were talking about a lot of people who are suffering. But we found joy in our conversation. And then she called me back about an hour later and I was surprised to see her call because we just talked for a long time. And she called to thank me because I had called her to check on our friend. She had called her that day. She wasn't planning on calling her that day. She learned that she was back in the hospital. Because Marcita is the glue, she started calling other people who are part of the chain of people who support her. And I, I don't know the details, so I don't know if it was she alone who reignited the chain or if she just helped to reignite the chain. But she was very grateful that I had called her because it sparked immediate action. She is a bright light to me. I became a bright light to her in that moment. We can be that for each other. We can be the bright light in the room, in each other's lives. When your flame is burning brightly, you're feeling good, you're feeling confident, you're feeling connected to the divine, that is the best time to share that energy with others. That's the best time to smile and just share some joy. Like when I'm walking down the street and I notice a woman in particular who looks really good, I say, go on, girl, you look great. Sometimes the person I'm talking to will smile back. Sometimes they'll look like, are you talking to me? 
But how often do we do that? How often do we just share some love, share some light with others? And so I, as we walk into this sacred time of year, remember to claim the bright light within you and to notice the bright lights around you and to acknowledge them. It will make you, it will fill you with joy and it's infectious in the best possible way. It will make it possible for you to share your joy with others. And then the light just dances around you and each other. And this is the season of light. You don't even have to turn a light on. It's the light within you that emanates and is reflected in others. I promise you, it's a beautiful thing to practice. Be a light and notice the light. Thank you for spending this time with me. I wish you the best of holidays. Stand in your power, stand in your truth. Open your eyes and notice the bright lights and greet everyone with love and respect. Thank you for spending this time with me. Until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste. Thank you.